All right, fellas. Good evening. Good evening. You guys uh, all full? Man, that is the one thing about these, uh, <clears throat> every retreat I've been to, like, you do not go away hungry. So, um, I just want to put a few things out there first. Uh, one is, just so you know who you're dealing with, um, I'm definitely a lay person. Um, definitely, you know, a sinner. I know Paul calls himself the chief of sinners, but I think I'm giving him a run for his money. So, um, I forgot my Bible, my big Bible. So I've been carrying this thing around for 25 years, right? And, uh, I love it cause it's small and I got all my notes in it. And so for about a decade, guys have been saying, they're like, there's gonna be a time where you aren't gonna be able to read that thing. And about six months ago, I'm like, oh man, I gotta, gotta get a little further away. So I forget the big Bible, and this is all I have. So I, uh, I've asked Brandon to read one of my, uh, my passages because it's a little longer. I didn't want to put it in the notes and have you know, ten pages instead of nine. Um, but that's that's who you're dealing with. So uh, that, and then the uh, the 15 hours of travel yesterday. So I'm gonna try to be as solid as I can. But uh, because of that, if Somebody or, you know, as many of you want, if you'd write down a little outline for me, I didn't send it to Chris. If you could write this down on like the notes thing, because I'm going to, unlike Winston, I have to stay on track or we'll just get off on a tangent. Uh, Write down the word truth. And then if you could put number one, am I going too fast? What, what is it? Number two. Why is it important? Number three, sorry, I got to dig through here. Uh, Where is it today? Number four, how do we find truth? Or how do we find it's fine? Five is uh, what do we do with it once we find it? And then just for six, put uh, conclusion. And so I'm going to, I'll let you know when we're in in those sections, and I'm not kidding, if I get lost, just, I'll I'll just ask, and you guys will be like, hey, we're on this one. So, um, get them all. Five is, what do we do once we find it? Six is conclusion. So, and maybe that'll, you know, if you do take notes, I don't know if you you need to on this one, but... um, Maybe it'll help. Uh, also, um, we will pause for questions at times, but you know, I don't know if I put those in the right spot. So if you've got one, just raise your hand and somebody yell out, you got a question, and, and we'll try to address it. Uh, like Winston, I am not going to promise that I have an answer, but I will do my best. So uh, I've entitled our time together this evening, Truth Shall Set You Free. So if you would, open your Bibles to John... 8 verses 31 and 32. I'll give you a second to get there. <clears throat> Just to follow along as I read. Everybody good? So Jesus, therefore, was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Men, God is truth. 
And so today we're going to explore what that means. We are going to examine how we define truth. Uh, we're going to look at truth in the current culture as well as the church. And we'll also discuss uh, how to find truth and then what to do with it once we found it. So pretty simple. I think I already gave you those. And so, Men, um, let me pray. <clears throat> Father, uh, we come before you and we recognize that you are the creator and the controller of this universe. Lord, thank you for who you are. Uh, thank you for what you do in our lives. And thank you for the work you did on the cross. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our minds as we get into the Word today. And I pray that you would be glorified by our time together. Uh, I ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So guys, uh, <clears throat> think about whatever you're good at, really good at in life, okay? Um, and what it takes to maintain or even hone in that skill, right? It might be athletics. Like we know Zach is maybe one of the best basketball players, at least in this county. And I actually believe that. Um, it could be academics, right? Or even if you're, uh, maybe you're as good at Wheel of Fortune, right? And you, uh, you can blurt the answer out for the contestants on TV. And you young guys know what Wheel of Fortune is? Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, my grandparents and parents watched it, so I always saw it as the old person pastime. But um, <clears throat> anyways, whatever it is to be really good at something, you, you usually have to go back to the fundamentals from time to time, right? And get back to the basics. So uh, that's what my hope is for our time today, is that um, what we go over might be fairly basic, but sometimes you just you got to get back to that. So um, also there's going to be a lot of verses um, in some spots that we throw out, and just with respect to time, we probably won't be able to dig into them. So if you want, just write them down, but I would encourage you to just go back and, and look at them later too. So um, with that, let's talk about the truth. And to do that, we need to, uh, I think, provide some context. So we're going to uh, say, what is it? All right, so we're on number one if I get lost. Um, the definition of truth from Oxford languages is the quality or state of being true, that which is true or in accordance with fact or reality. To be true means accurate or exact. Most scholars would... Uh, tell you that there's different types of truth, and depending on which uh, scientific or philosophical article you want to read, there's anywhere from three to six types of truth, but they all agree on one uh, basic type, which is absolute or um, objective truth. Absolute truth, they're virtually the same in definition, but I'll give them to you. Absolute truth means completely true in every respect, and objective truth is defined as what actually exists. Uh, these are not dependent on perception or circumstances like other types of truth. They differ from, from relative or subjective truth, right, which is how an individual sees or experiences the world, uh, which those do rely on perspective or perception. So this would be something like uh, observing the weather, right, like it's hot out or it's cold out today. I think for here we'll say it's cold out today. Um, it's true at the moment, but it's defined by parameters that can change, right? 
and also, you know, we may not agree what, what cold is. So, you know, what cold is in Colorado may not be what cold is here. So um, for the purpose of this talk, we're going to focus on the absolute objective truth or that which is always true regardless of circumstances. So a couple observations um, about the word truth in the Bible. It appears 235 times, plus or minus a couple, depending on which version of the Bible you got. There are 11 different um, Hebrew words in the Old Testament for truth, and there are five different uh, Greek words in the New. The most predominant word used is the Greek word, and I'm probably going to slaughter this, but it's aletheia. Uh, and that translates simply as being true. It's absolute objective truth. Uh, some characteristics of absolute truth. <clears throat> One, it's not dependent on any person's desires, beliefs, or emotions. Two, it's not subjects, subject to man's control, determination, or veto. Three, no one gets to decide what it is, right? It's not subjective nor subject to man. Absolute truth is objective or outside of man. Four, it must be revealed to man. And five, man cannot make it or change it. So the, uh, for the purpose of this talk, let's just assume that truth means absolute or objective truth unless stated otherwise. So we're on to number two. Why is it important? And uh, men, truth is important. So some of you are old enough to uh, remember a thing called an encyclopedia. I feel like I'm dating myself with all my illustrations, but um, you know, we didn't have information at our fingertips like we do today, right? So um, when I was young, we used Encyclopedia Britannica. So if you had a report to do, you actually had to go to the library, right? And you, uh, you had to find these giant books, uh, but they were the, the trusted source of information at the time. So um, I think today, now that it's online, it's just called Britannica. You know, they've, they've gotten hip. Um, but at any rate, uh, this is what Britannica actually has to say about the importance of truth, right? So a secular uh, uh, book of information. But Br Britannica says this, <clears throat> the universe runs on truth. Right? I don't think we have to major in physics to realize that um, we are bound by absolute truth in our daily lives. Uh, Britannica expands on the importance of truth and says, believing what is not true can spoil people's plans and may even cost them their lives. Telling what is not true may result in legal and social penalties. And conversely, a dedicated pursuit of the truth characterizes the good scientist, the good historian, and the good detective. Britannica says the truth is important. Uh, guys, as, as human beings, truth is the aim of our belief, right? We believe in what we think is true, which means we move in the direction of what we think is true. And so... Thus, a man's truth system guides his motives. The Bible says God is truth. In John 14, 6, John says that Jesus is truth. In John 14, 7, 15, 26, and chapter 16, verse 13, John refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. 
Brandon, are you ready? Where are you? There he is. So, uh, guys, if you want to turn to Hebrews 6, we're going to read 13 through 18. Got me? All right. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end to every, of every dispute. In the same way, God, <clears throat> desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we, will, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have is an as an anchor of the soul, a hope for both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil, which Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become the high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Yeah, I think you did 19 too, but that's fine. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, in this passage, guys, um, what sticks out, you know, we find that it is impossible for God to lie. I thought it was interesting. It states that men swear by one greater than themselves. Has anybody ever said, I swear to God? And, it, and it's interesting here because who does God swear to, right? God has to swear an oath to himself. But it says why he did this, and it is to show the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose. So really... I mean, if we want to boil it down, I like to keep things super simple. I'm not a, not a deep thinker. Um, what's the opposite of a lie? It's truth, right? And so God can't lie. God is truth. He is unable to lie. When it comes to God, the objective nature of his truth should be obvious, right? We don't make God, nor can we change him. God doesn't change if we don't believe in him or even if we believe something false about him. It's our job as created beings of God to discover the truth and develop a, a relationship with our creator. And we'll get into this a little further, but we do this by reading the scriptures. Another interesting aspect of truth in the scriptures is the synonymous relationship between righteousness and truth and between unrighteousness and falsehood. So, for example, Romans 2.8, the Apostle Paul refers to people who, quote, do not obey the truth, but they obey unrighteousness, end quote. If you're not obeying one, then you're obeying the other. And in Romans 3, verses 5 and 7, Paul highlights the equality of unrighteousness and lies and righteousness and truth. And I think that's fairly, fairly easy. Um, but I want to dig into it just a little bit more. And, and really the contrast here is between absolute truth and relative truth. It comes down to uh, reason versus revelation. Right? See, God gives us reason to understand revelation. It's when we decide to use reason instead of revelation that we end up with relative truth. We do this when the word seems unreasonable or illogical. 
right? So the application here is uh, be careful what the source of your truth is, right? Be careful what we're putting in our mind. And there's an illustration, uh, Genesis 3, uh, first off, Adam and Eve obviously traded the truth from God for a lie from Satan. But if we dig into that a little bit deeper, after the fall, um, God comes looking for Adam, right? He's coming through the garden, he's looking for Adam, and he says, Adam, where are you? And Adam says, I'm hiding, right? He says, I'm ashamed, I'm naked. And God's response to him was, who told you you were naked? Who told you that? Let me suggest that uh, Adam and Eve let the serpent deceive them. And they did this because what the serpent said sounded reasonable. Uh, Also, just a side note, and we'll probably hit this again. Um, In John 8, 44, Jesus refers to Satan as the father of lies and says there is no truth in him. So as Christians, we have to affirm that truth conforms to reality, uh, especially now in the face of uh, postmodern relativism. We must emphatically resist any suggestion that absolute truth does not exist. Though we may not accurately perceive the world, that is not the same for the Almighty God. Is everybody all right with postmodern relativism? You want me to hit it with the explanation? No, seriously. <laughs> just, just for Dan. So postmodern relativism rejects universal moral and spiritual values and accepts the relativity of all values in all areas. Therefore, no specific value preference exists. Everyone should order their own values, value preferences, and approaches. Basically, we get to make the rules. So let me clean up what I said before that as far as uh, truth conforms to reality. I think truth to the believer actually is that which conforms to reality as it is perceived by God. Uh, God knows all things exhaustively, so we can trust anything he reveals in Scripture. Again, truth is not defined by our own subjective standards. It is determined by the source of truth himself. Turn with me, if you would, to John 17, verses 14 through 17. Just a little context, Uh, Jesus is praying, and this is right before Judas uh, betrays him, and so he is talking to God, and he's praying for the disciples. This is what Jesus says, I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. This part right here, guys, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. So yeah, guys, I would say truth is important. Um, Let's take a quick break. Any questions, comments? Right on. All right. Dang it. So... Yeah, Dustin, uh, and I just want you to know I actually looked up some big words for this talk so that I sounded smart. 
Okay? It is, it is not indicative of my true intelligence. Uh, Postmodern okay. relativism. Found interesting when you said the definition of that is uh, uh, Alistair Crowley wrote parts of the Satanic Bible, and in there the coin is "Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law." Do whatever you want to, and that's that's like the basis of Satanism, and that sounds very similar to the definition you gave for postmodern relativism. Yeah, very scary stuff, really. Absolutely, man. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, you remember when Justin said, uh, it's good to be king? Yeah, because yeah, king makes the rules. And we're going to actually hit that a little bit as well. But yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Dan. Um, can you tie that together with political correctness? Or am I off base there? Mm -mm. No. Um, and I don't want to get like too far into... Uh, I guess the subject, and I, w and I will actually hit it again. Um, boy, that's a good one. How do I tie it in with political correctness? Let me let me do this. Let me get to the other section where we hit it again. And if you still have that question, let's let's bring it back up. <clears throat> um, anybody else? All right, let's move on. So now we're going to hit number three, which is I think we'll we'll get to this. Where is the truth today. Um, so today the truth is becoming more and more difficult to find, both in our culture and within the church. So let me suggest there that uh, aversion to God's word lies in the heart of every man. All right, and Romans 3.23 states, uh, right, we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. Um, if we look at today's culture, it's void of any reverence for God's truth. Subjective truth has replaced absolute or objective truth. And people use phrases such as your truth or my truth. And that's usually to justify their behavior or just because they don't like the real truth. Have you ever heard anybody say, I'm just going to live my truth? Uh, I think that's a very popular statement these days. Um, and let me, man, I would say this highlights our problem. You know, some of us were blessed enough, some of us in the room here, uh, to be under the tutelage of a really wise man. And he used to say, man's problem with God is that God got there first. And so I used to you know, I used to chuckle. I heard it several times, and I was like, man, I totally agree, but I don't have that problem. Well, let me tell you guys, the more I uh, matured in my walk and, and got in the Word, the more I learned about myself, I, I absolutely have that problem. You know, uh, I want to live my life my way, right? I think that's a daily battle we all face. Um, thinking in terms of our own truth is contrary to the nature of truth, right? If everybody could have his or her own truth, then truth wouldn't be true. It would just be a, an experience or a belief. So because our culture 
shucks the truth, we've surrendered reason and critical thinking and replaced it with anti-intellectualism. You guys want a definition of that one? Yes, please. <clears throat> Good, because I didn't know what these were until I started digging into this. So, <laughs> uh, Anti-intellectualism is best defined as a person who believes that intellect and reason are less important than actions and emotions in solving practical problems and understanding reality. Do we see any of that in the world today? Can you say what that term means? Yeah, you bet. Anti-intellectualism can be best defined as a person who believes that intellect and reason are less important than actions and emotions in solving practical problems and understanding reality. Right? We're, we're told to pursue happiness and that our feelings trump morality and biblical truth. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the church as a whole today is not impenetrable to this type of thinking. There's a good portion of the church that's afraid of being out of sync with our culture. So when this happens, the only way to, me, to remain relevant to the culture is to diminish the word of God. So we see truths overlooked or ignored so the institution can remain seeker-friendly. By taking this stance, the truth gets hijacked by storytellers, convincing the world that Christians can be just as inclusive, pluralistic, and open-minded as any postmodern, politically correct group. Scripture-abiding Christians are seen as narrow-minded and ignorant followers of a dated, decaying religion. And parenthetically, guys, the contempt for Scripture, it's not intellectual, it's moral. <clears throat> um, John, I'm going to have to look back. John 3, 19 and 20. Right? Jesus says there that men love darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. Right? So when I read a scripture I don't agree with, I need to know I'm wrong. Okay? And we'll get, we'll get at that a little bit too. So, by not accepting that an unregenerate culture will always be irreconcilably incompatible with the truth of God, and seeking cultural relevance is going to lead the church to obsolescence. Tomorrow's generation is going to renounce today's fads and uh, philosophies, and so the, the church will have to be perpetually changing to keep up. So I think, therefore, in the face of the ever-changing cultural trends, the church needs to claim the truth, which is the Word of God. Belief is irrelevant, right? No one has the power to establish truth or change it. It's fixed, right, once for all. Like, God settled it. <clears throat> Man, I think this is essential to understand in our walk with Christ. So let's come up for air for a second. Uh, questions, comments? Good. All right. Um, we are on four.
How do we find truth? <clears throat> As believers, it's our job to find the truth. Uh, this is one of my all-time favorite verses, and, and I know Chris used it last night in the opening. Um, and honestly, guys, if you haven't done so yet, I would, I'd commit this one to memory, but it's uh, Acts 17.11, right? It says these were... Uh, more noble, these men were more noble minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether what they heard was so, right? Whether these things were so. Um, when looking at the applicable significance of this verse, uh, for me, first I've got an observation, right? Um, it starts out and says, okay, these men were more noble-minded. That's, that's God saying that. So for me, that piques my interest because I'm like, man, I want to be in that bucket. You know, call, call me noble-minded. I have no problem with it. <clears throat> um, so that ought to pique our interest. So what else did these guys do? They received the word with great eagerness, right? They thirsted for the truth, right? They sought it. Um, they couldn't wait to hear it. And then finally, what was the rock they they tested this information against was scripture, right? They found the truth by checking to see if what they heard matched up with scripture. And so remember, we discussed that uh, man has an aversion to God's word, and we humans like to define truth based on our experience. I think most of us... probably done this. I, de- I definitely have, but it, you know, what we do is if we try something and we don't get burned, it must have been okay, right? We didn't get a, an immediate consequence, so I got away with it. Must be all right. Uh, or have you ever been told, uh, I think this is popular, is uh, follow your heart. So um, <clears throat> let me suggest that that is backwards to what the Bereans were doing, right? And, and as far as the heart, in Jeremiah 17.9, right, the Bible states that the heart is deceitful above all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I don't know about you guys, but I know it creeps into my heart from time to time, and there is no way I'm going down that road. So it's also no coincidence that uh, that's right where Satan attacks us. So... How do we defend against this? Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? That tells us not to be conformed to this world. It even tells us that it's our spiritual duty to renew our minds and be transformed. How do we renew our minds? Like the Bereans. Get in the Bible daily. All right, how else do we find truth? Well, the Bible says seek wisdom. We need wisdom to be able to discern what's true. Proverbs 4, 5 through 7 says, Acquire wisdom, she will guard you. Proverbs 9, 10 states that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. James 1, 5 says, If any of us lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously without reproach. In Job 28, 28, tells us again, fear of the Lord is wisdom, but it also says departing from evil is understanding. So guys, fear God, seek wisdom, 
ask him for it, he'll reveal it to you through his word. Right? Another way to find truth, and, and maybe the most, most basic, get in the word. <clears throat> uh, Christ says in that passage we opened with, John 8, 31, 32, if you abide in my word, you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If you go on after that passage, it, it tells us no longer being slaves of sin. John 1.14 states that the word became flesh, right? Flesh being Jesus. And it says that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Therefore, finding truth needs to be a deliberate quest on behalf of the believer. <clears throat> right? We have to define our truth system. And we do this, guys, by gathering trusted information, turning it into knowledge by carefully and diligently thinking, considering and weighing the consequences, and then finally embracing that knowledge so that it becomes understanding and then blossoms into wisdom. And again, this isn't an exhaustive list on the only ways to find truth. It's just a bunch of them. Uh, but another one is surround ourselves with mature believers that hold the Bible as authoritative. These are guys that demonstrate the truth in Scripture by the way they live their lives. Just a couple verses to uh, to back that up, and <clears throat> this is all, this really is E squared, guys. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 tells us to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our assembling together, but encouraging one another. And then, of course, 2 Timothy 2, 2, which we've heard today, right? The things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, right? And trust these to faith, faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Let me suggest, and I know we had that panel, um, it's a process. It takes time and effort. So what do we do? Actually, questions, comments? Good. All right. What do we do once we find the truth? Finding truth is not enough on its own. As believers, we are actually called to be men of action. This could be the part where it gets hard, right? <clears throat> um, James 2, 14 through 26 says, Faith without works is dead. Now, James is not telling us that uh, our salvation is works-based. We all know it's not. But he is telling us to apply what we've learned. Prior to that, in James 1, 22 through 35, that passage states that anyone who's a hearer of the word and not a doer forgets who he is. But an effectual doer will be blessed in what he does. You know, the author of James, guys, is talking about obedience and application. Not only do we have to learn the truth, but we must also walk the truth. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, warns us that some will fall away because they pay attention 
to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. So we must protect ourselves from this by staying in the word and spending time with God in prayer. Likewise, Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6 says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. And if any man adds to his words, he will be proved a liar. 2 Timothy 2.15 This verse tells us to be diligent to present ourselves approved to God as a workman, handling the truth accurately. And guys, we also need to believe 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, right? All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. Let's focus in on that word. I, I mean, profitable, that ought to, right, spark some attention. It means it's good for us, right? It is a benefit to us. It's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. I would encourage you to read Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> that tells us how to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. And then another one we've hit a lot this weekend, guys, Philippians 4, 9. It says to practice, and that's the key word, practice, right? Practice means apply it, get good at it, repeat it. Practice the things we've learned and received and heard that the peace of God will be with us. Another important, important thing going on here, guys, um, we must protect those that God has entrusted to us in our ministry. That's our wives, our children, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we, we have to protect them from false teachings. So in order to do that, I think we have to protect ourselves. Right. Remember we called uh, Satan the father of lies, right? Well, Satan used, well, he misused Scripture when he tempted Christ. So we can't take this responsibility lightly, right? We've got to protect ourselves with truth. The consequences are too great. We have to stay in our Bibles. The psalmist says in chapter 119, verses 105 and 106, that God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and I will confirm it that I will keep your righteous ordinances. So, men, the application here is that basically God's put it on us to get in the word and apply what we've learned. I don't really have an illustration here, but I do have a few uh, rhetorical questions for you. One, what are we allowing to shape the truth systems of our families? Two, if you're in church and you hear something contrary to the scriptures, what do you do? Three, what teachings do we allow ourselves to be under? And four, are we filtering cultural influences through a biblical lens. Well, we're getting close to, to finishing up, 
I thought you guys might ask more questions, so I, I put some time in there for it, Chris. But are there any questions before we do finish? The questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <clears throat> um, one is what are we allowing to shape the truth systems of our families? You can throw, you know, let's throw ourselves in there, right? What are we, what are we shaping our truth system with? If you're in church and you hear something contrary to the scriptures, what do you do? What teachings do we allow ourselves to be under? And are we filtering cultural influences through a biblical lens? All good? Mitch, are you asking a question? I was going to. You're not allowed. <laughs> Go ahead, man. I'm, I'll do my best. I was just curious. How would you answer somebody who questions how we know that the Bible is absolute truth? If somebody pushes back on that, how would you answer that question? Man, that, that's a great question. And uh, <clears throat> we got time, so let's, 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 let's dig into that a little bit. Uh, so somebody... Who asks you, how do you know? It's a, it's a good question. I think Winston said it this morning. Is, um, everybody lives by faith, right? Believers, atheists, right? Uh, my favorite illustration of that is, uh, you know, I hear guys say it a lot. They're like, no, I know I'm going to heaven. I know it. We have assurance, guys. But until the actual fact, it's actually not knowledge. So just a, an example of that is, um, I mean, when I got in the air, on the airplane in Detroit, right, I have faith that the, uh, the engineers have done their job and they've done their, uh, their checks on the specs on the plane and wings are good, the engines are good, and the, those wheels are going to come up. Um, pilot's been trained, knows what he's doing, right? I've got faith. So I could have told you, I know I'm going to get from Detroit to Harrisburg. Although, if you'd asked me yesterday, I wouldn't have said that. Uh, <clears throat> I, I can say, yeah, I know I'm going to get there. But until those wheels touch down and I get off that airplane, it's not knowledge, right? Does that make sense? Um, the same thing goes with God. And so we have to, we have to decide for ourselves there's three things, in my opinion. Um, when you think about God, you have to say, was Christ, was he a liar and wasn't who he says he was? Was he a lunatic and really believed it but still wasn't who he says he was? Or is he the Lord? And you've got to make a decision for yourself, but I would still remember that no matter what we do, everything's on, this whole life is based on faith, you know, People don't realize it, but even the atheist has faith, Winston said. Um, <clears throat> I think a great example, this is my favorite. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever, I'm sure you've heard this and thought about it, so again, it's remedial, but Paul's, Paul's the man for the Jews, right? Like He's like, man, I, I get to go around and I'm persecuting Christians, man. I'm throwing these guys in jail and... Who knows what else has happened to him? 
this guy's riding into Damascus to go find some more Christians that, you know, put in the clink. And God knocks him off his horse, right? A flash from heaven. You know, I always envision it because if it was me, I, you know, I need to be hit with a two by four sometimes. But he knocks him off his horse. And Paul doesn't, he doesn't mess around. He gets up and he goes, who are you, Lord? Okay, and I think these are questions we all have to ask. Who are you, Lord? God says, I am, you know, I told you I am, right? Paul's like, got it, I'm good, right? So who are you, Lord? And then the next one, he goes, what do you want me to do? And God's response was, this is one I don't like. God's response was, go into Damascus and I'll show you, right? I like the, uh, you know, I was putting a ceiling fan in the other day and I still read the directions. I put in a hundred of them. But I, I, wanna, I want the step-by-step, step, right? God, give me the step-by-step. Step. What do you want me to do in life? Well, God says that the righteous man should live by faith. So I don't know if that answers your question, Mitch, but I think that it's an individual choice, uh, and I'm putting all my chips in on that one, right? I'm going all in. And I think we have to. God, You know what God says about the lukewarm, right? Like, he'd spit you out of his mouth. He'd rather you be all in or all out. That's a scary thought, guys. But great is a great question. Uh, anything else? You good? I got one more. Who? No. <clears throat> what do you got, Dan? Do you... Do you mind uh, giving us examples of why this is so important? I mean, kind of just like thinking why what you've seen going on the relative, what you've seen in whether it's church or culture today that is getting away from an example for us of getting away from truth and, you know, what Bible says, just something we can just see firsthand. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh so just to, to, to just illustrate the point of why we need to stick to the truth and why getting away. Uh, yeah, I think what, what honestly what sparked me to start thinking about this was that I just started hearing those phrases all over the place. Your truth, my truth. I'm going to live my own truth. And why were, why were people saying that? And this is probably dangerous ground, but... Um, we live in a, in a world today where a man can just say he's a woman and, and he is. Um, I don't care about that so much. I mean, if the person's not a believer, then they're an evangelism target. Um, if they are a believer, then there's an edification issue, and, and the Bible is clear on where to go. What, what, what is a problem is just because I say I'm something doesn't mean it's true. I think I told everybody I was tall when I first got here, and I didn't pull, pull a fast one on any of you. Um, the truth is the truth, right? I had a, um, I was surprised nobody asked this question, but uh, um, I did have somebody ask this once in a Bible study, and they said, are there any truths that are not addressed in the Bible? When, and the answer is yes. And so he's like, give me an example. And I just said, gravity. Like, I mean, I'd love gravity to not be true, right? But. I think I'd 
do want it to be true. I want to <laughs> keep my feet on the planet. I was thinking about flying around a little bit, but that's a bad idea. <clears throat> so, um, I don't know, does that help? Or? No, I think that's a great answer. Good, okay. Um, anybody else? I'm still all right on time. Um, yeah. No, I, I like what you had said at the beginning um, about Adam and Eve. And uh, you said that, um, correct me how you said that, she believed it because it seemed reasonable to her. Is that what you think, is that like the primary distraction that you see that men have today from um, why they're not uh, agreeing with or following the truth of Scripture? How do you, or are there others, or is that the main one? Just if you could elaborate that. Okay. I'll do my best on this one, Chris. Um, yeah, I, th I think the point is, and again, I, I think I said I still wrestle with this, so I don't have this licked, um, is coming to terms with the fact that God is in control. He created this universe, and I did not. I honestly, uh, and this is, I've said this in Bible study before, is uh, if I was making the rules, I probably would have made a few that are different than, than what God has said. Um, however, when I come across Scripture that disagrees with my politics, then my politics are wrong. I think it's, uh, we were talking today, maybe you can help me out with it, it was Isaiah 45, 6 through like 9. And God says, I'm God, there is no other. Right? I'm God, you are not. And we have to remember that, guys. Uh, there are parts in the Bible where God says, like he said Abraham was his friend. Um, I hope he says that about me, but I'm really leery to say that about him. I, uh, I've got to be in that humble posture that he's my creator, right? And the, the clay does not argue with the potter. Is that good? Um, this kind of gets back to Mitch's question, and I'm wondering if you can either confirm or rip it apart. <laughs> um, Jesus said in uh, John chapter 7, verse 15, verse 15 through 18, the Jews were astonished, saying, how has this man become learned, having never been educated? And then Jesus answered them and said, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. But he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Would you confirm that? Yeah. Sounds good. Is that, was that the question, though? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, <clears throat> you know, it was interesting, I think, when I started this talk, is I was, I was looking for truth, and I, and I know that I knew the, the Bible said that his word is truth, but it actually says God is truth. Right, um, I don't know. Just thought that was interesting. So, uh, anybody else? Good. Okay. So we'll 
we'll wrap this thing up here. Um, I will tell you this. So I was putting this talk together, and uh, my wife uh, came in, and she goes, can I give you some advice? I've been married for 16 years, so I knew the answer. I got this one right. <clears throat> and I said, absolutely, sweetheart. I would love to hear what you have to say. <clears throat> so all, all joking aside, um, I trust her intuition. And so she said, you know, try to be positive in your talk. There's so much negativity in the world today. I think people just need to hear some good news. And so she's 100% right. Right, we look around the world and the sky's falling. Right, COVID. Um, we can't get along politically in this country. Uh, so, on that note, I did not want you guys to come away from this talk and you know have this sinking, doom and gloom feeling, and you know the culture's moving away from God and the church is moving away from God, and and again the sky is falling, and um, <laughs> these things are happening. But it's okay. <laughs> uh, here's why it's okay, guys. We're not meant to be here forever, right? This is not our home. You heard uh, Winston say it. You heard Justin say it. We're ambassadors. And ambassadors live in a foreign land, right? We are, we are aliens here. And so not only that, right, we're, we're aliens here and we're meant for eternity with our Lord and Savior. Um, <clears throat> but we already have victory. God has already said he wins. Right? So if you believe him, uh, my intention today is to encourage you, right, that we talked about what truth really is, its importance to every man. Uh, we talked a little bit about the attack on biblical truth, but also how we can find it and what we're supposed to do with it. So the encouragement, men, is to stay in the word, listen to God, not lean on our own understanding. You can check Proverbs 3, 5 through 3 for that one. Um, and be strong and courageous in our walk with Him. <clears throat> Don't forget, as long as we hitch our trailer to God, we win. Right? So that's good news. Uh, men, the truth shall set you free. It is uh, truly a blessing to be here this weekend, so thanks for letting me be up here. Uh, let me pray. <clears throat> Sorry. Lord God, uh, you are the Alpha and the Omega. Lord, again, thank you for all you do in our lives, and thank you, Lord, for being the truth. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks, guys.